Welcome to Bible Greek VPod's Intermediate Greek Program. This is the last lesson in this series, and uh, I want to congratulate those of you who have stuck with me all these sessions, and uh, that's quite an achievement. In this lesson, I just want to summarize the grammar and the, the guidance of translation and interpretation, and then look at the last section of 1 John. First off, in summary, keep it simple. Remember the basics of reading. Context, context, context. A passage of scripture is written to a specific audience, and it has a single meaning that was understood to that audience. Remember that. The New Testament does not change the meaning of the Old Testament. The Old Testament stands alone and that audience understood it according to their situation. When the New Testament speaks of an Old Testament subject, the New Testament may shed additional light due to the progressive nature of Revelation as the Bible is unfolded over many years. Remember your elementary teacher's rules for reading and do not let what John says in this epistle gets you. The world or philosophical ideas pervert the Word of God. Don't let that happen. There's a spiritual battle of deception, and it is strong, especially for the things of God. If the devil can pervert the way you read, he wins. You are a scientist of the Word. That means to observe, observe, observe. Stick to the fundamentals of reading. The laws of grammar are important and cannot be compromised. Do not get caught up in tradition. The all-important thing is what does the Word say, not what does my church say, or what does my pastor say. What does the Word say? When you get to glory, the Lord will ask you, What did I say, not what did your church say? That's the all-important thing. When it comes to New Testament Greek words, don't let those definitions redefine the Hebrew definition. The Greek is more precise in a lot of areas, and the New Testament word may highlight or bring some additional clarification to a Hebrew word, but understand that the Old Testament was written and it was written to a people who understood that word. Let's move on to the text. 1 John chapter 5 verses 18 through 21. Here we have John closing this little letter by coming back to the point of eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. The Apostle John touches on two important points addressed in the letter, namely the doctrine of sin in the believer and the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Sin is an offense to God, and sin in the believer's life is even more of a personal attack upon the character of God's holiness. 
Sin separates us from God. But being set apart by God means when a Christian sins, he or she is not separated completely from God because we are members of the family of God. Sin in the Christian affects our fellowship with Him. It affects our fellowship with God. That's the big important subject. This section of Scripture emphasizes our understanding that truth comes from God's Word and His Spirit, and this is in opposition to the world system that opposes Him. Truth and Jesus Christ, the Word, are synonymous. And we who are His possession know this truth because the truth has been given. And this section says it's gifted to us. The Apostle's final words might be his greatest statement. In essence, he writes, Knowing Jesus Christ is eternal life. The facts of eternal life in John are these. That eternal life is a gift of God. It's a free gift. That eternal life comes by believing in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, eternal life is in Jesus Christ, because Jesus has life in himself. Let's take a look at verse 18. We have known that all those who have been born from God does not sin. But the one that has been born from God keeps himself, and the evil one does not touch him. The first phrase here, we have known that Everyone that has been born from God does not sin. This closing statement reflects the character of the child of God. That is, sin is not a characteristic of the believer. This phrase starts with the perfect verb of ido, perfect active indicative, meaning we have seen or we have known. At the head of the verse, this verb is found in order to stress the importance of our complete knowledge of the character of the child of God. The hati conjunction, because or since, is translated as that to introduce the fact that every man that has been begotten of God does not continue in sin. The adjective pos, a nominative masculine singular, every man modifies the perfect participle of gineo, perfect passive participle, with the definite article, the man that has been born, thus highlighting everyone that has been born again. It includes everyone. No one is left out. The older translators use whosoever for this construction with the definite nominative participle. The richness of the Greek language comes to light as the perfect passive participle speaks of a person that is completely born by an external agent. God himself has begotten this person and his occupation, you might say, is as a born-again believer. He stands born again from above. This person has a new identity as begotten of God. What a statement this is. 
the source of the external agent that performs the action is identified by the preposition ek along with the genitive of theos, from God, expressing a genitive of source. The source of our begotten state is God himself. If God is the source of our salvation, then we will not continue in sin. The present verb of harmatio stresses the continuous nature of the sin and is translated he does not continue sinning. It is not that the born-again person does not sin, but that he will not continue in a sin because God is God and there is no other. He will not let his name be profaned. So he will move in the believer to expose the sin and the spirit will convict. The brother of verse 16 through 17 prays for the sinning brother and God acts because it is his will that we mature in him and thus overcome sin that has a grip on us. What a great love God has for us that he would keep us from the evil one and move in us to convict us of our sin. Move down to the next phrase. But the one that has been born from God keeps himself and the evil one does not touch him. There are benefits and responsibilities with being in the family of God. One benefit is that God will protect us from the evil one. One responsibility of being in the family of God is that we must yield to the Spirit and trust that God is big enough to do what He says He will do. The Apostle starts this verse with the contrastive conjunction Allah, but signifying a contrast between the character of the continuous sin that is promoted by the devil and the world system with the character of a born-again person and by association God because the born-again person has been begotten of God. It is a completed act with the present result of being born again. He keeps himself by putting off sin. The power and desire to turn from sin has to do with the relationship we have with God. If we love God, we will want to turn away from sin in order to please Him. This is the law of love, the heart of abiding and fellowshipping with Him. The change from perfect to aorist of the verb geneo is translated the one that was born, indicates action that is passive but timeless. This person is still a passive participant in this born-again state, but he is in fact begotten. It's a statement of fact. The born-again person has the responsibility and freedom to not obey the flesh, but to obey God instead. There is a new capability to obey God because the source, that is a genitive of source, of our begotten state is from theos, from God. Dr. Smith writes, The child of God may fall into sin, but he does not continue in it. He is not under its dominion. Why? Because though he has a foe, 
he also has a guardian. The main verb of the clause is the present tense of tereo. To attend to carefully or to keep and is translated, he continues to keep himself. There is a textual variant here as the Textus Receptus and the majority text, by the way, has the reflexive pronoun huton, himself, whereas the Nestle Allman has the personal pronoun aton. It is this author's opinion that the reflexive is the better word as it has historical precedence in both manuscript usage and usage by John in this letter. And it fits the issue of sin and the believer in 1 John. The reflexive pronoun huton highlights the fact that this person who has been born of God is himself able to keep himself from sinning. This new ability or capability that is born in the believer is reflected in his release from slavery to sin and is himself free. However, it is by the convicting power of the Spirit that this is accomplished. It is said of salvation that the Father initiates in predestination, the Son executes in His death, and the Spirit administers. This new freedom together with the indwelling Spirit provides the born-again believer everything needed to overcome sin. But with this new found freedom comes responsibility, and it is the law of love that is at play here with the abiding presence of God that finds our relationship with Him and consequently our freedom and liberty being in this world that is being tested. The question here is, do we love agape Him or do we love phileo Him? The final phrase, kai hopanaras uk hipotmai atu and the evil one does not touch him, is most revealing considering the extent of the evil one's control over the unsaved. The devil is described simply by the adjective paneros. It has a definite article with it. The evil one or the wicked one, whose uniqueness is highlighted by the inclusion of the definite article so as to make no mistake who this person is. The adjective describes his character and indeed his nature. He is by nature evil. For the world, the evil one attaches himself to them and they become dragged down into the world system deep in sin against God. The action the evil one takes against the unregenerate is described by the verb hippotmai. It is a present middle indicative to fasten oneself to, to adhere to, or cling to, and the middle voice adds the personal involvement in this crime. The devil fastens himself to the unsaved, influencing and ruling the world. He promotes false religions, immorality, and destruction of what is good. 
whereas the born-again person is free from the wiles of the devil and is instead convicted, guided, enlightened, and taught the truth by the Spirit of God. What a contrast this verse provides us of the inner workings of the spiritual world. We understand the things of the spiritual world and spiritual truth only because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. This section of Scripture wraps up the doctrine of overcoming the world and its sin therein. The Apostle in chapter 2 describes the various spiritual maturity levels relating to overcoming sin and the evil one. Chapter 3 describes sin in relation to the history of the devil's influence upon Cain and his desire to do the works of the evil one. Now, in conclusion, the last thing that John has to say is he moves to complete the thought by bringing into the argument personal responsibility in our relationship with God and the family of God. We can and must overcome the evil one because we have everything we need to accomplish the task. The secret to overcoming, as John has stated, is abiding in Christ. There is no greater power in keeping sin down than the Word of God. Staying in the Word and fellowshipping with Him regularly is necessary. Move down to verse 19. We have known that we are from God and the whole world lies in the wicked one. The first phrase, we have known that we are from God. Again, the apostle uses the perfect tense of Ido. We have known that we are completely possessed of God. The completeness of the action means we know we are from God. God is our source. The ablative construction, ectu theu, from God, means its source is from Him. We are out from Him. His workmanship, you might say. A literary contrast highlights our two-world system. Really, there is a three-world system that exists. One is either from God and has been saved, one is from God and has not yet been born again. Or three, one is from the devil. But the contrast here is drawn between the two extremes. One is either from God or from the devil. There is no other option. The character of our life has its origin in either God or the devil. The reason for our complete knowledge is found in the Hati Clause, because or since we exist in a state of being from God. We possess this knowledge. The state of being verb, I me, to be or exist, is expressing our state of being as having its origin from God, as we continue to be in a state of being born from God. The doctrine of eternal security of the believer is everywhere found and most convincing in the grammar of the Greek. Move down to the next phrase. And the whole world lies in the wicked one. The world is cosmos and is used 
in the metaphoric sense, meaning the world with all its opposition to God and opposition to the things of God. Notice the modifier halas. Whole, it's an adjective, a nominative masculine singular adjective. The idea is that the whole world system is ruled by the evil one. Satan himself is the ruler of this world, and its character is described as wicked. The preposition in is locative, meaning positionally in or in the sphere of wickedness. A contrast is drawn between those who know they are from God and those who follow the Poneros, the evil one. Notice the definite article is used with the word evil. Thus, the translation is properly the wicked one, expressing the major characteristic of the ruler of the world and hence also the major characteristic of the world system. The verb is last in the phrase. Thus, the stress is placed upon hakosmos in its entirety, and it highlights the nature of the world system. The verb kimai, present, middle or passive deponent, indicative verb, meaning to lie, meaning of things put or set in any place, and means here the world system lies in the power of evil and is held in subjection to it. Those that are from God do not lie in evil, but keep themselves from evil because they have a helper, whereas those of the world system lie or are being fastened to, or actually fasten themselves to the evil world system. Though the word kimai is deponent and normally translated as active, one could just as well translate it as middle or passive, thus completing the idea of themselves defending and living a life of wickedness in this evil world. Dr. Linsky notes this, in Kitai there lies the idea of passivity which does not even struggle against the devil. See he's he's taken as the passive, um, the, the passive component of that de deponent verb. What a tremendous revelation this is. Move down to the next verse. Verse 20 says this, But we have known that the Son of God is present, and He is given to us understanding, so that we may know the true one, and we are in the true one, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and life eternal. The first phrase, But we have known that the Son of God is present. In an effort to illustrate the complete nature of our holy estate, that is, being set apart to God for service, the Apostle adds complete knowledge of the presence of Jesus Christ with us. This knowledge is also perfected. As the perfect tense of Ido, we have seen it or we have known it is used. 
the use of the contrastive conjunction day means result and may better be translated since we have known the Son is present and we have known that he has given us understanding for the reason of knowing the truth. The conjunction hati, that, because, or since, together with day, highlights the usage as reason. This is a reason given. The present tense of hecho, present active indicative, third person singular, hecho, to come or be present, means the great coming of the Son of God, the whole weos to theu, as prophesied in the Old Testament, is come, the present tense is come, but continues to be present, as the active voice means he really is present with us. The Greek hecto is not the common word for the act of coming or going, that is, arachomai, but is the more specific word, stressing to come and be present. It means to seek an intimacy with another, or to come upon as things endured, either good or bad. Of course, in this context, Jesus comes seeking a close, intimate relationship, and he is with us to stay. There are several great comings of Jesus, hecto comings of Jesus in the New Testament. This is the only present use of his coming. The rest of them are future comings uh, and his second coming. When he comes, uh, there was a more personal presence, a more personal coming that we will find him. But right now, He is with us. He has given us His Spirit, and He is with us. Move down to the next phrase. And He has given to us understanding so that we may know the true one. The perfect knowledge expressed in verses 18, 19, and 20 are consistent with the free gift of the understanding spoken of here. The understanding is here also in the perfect tense of didomai. It's a perfect active indicative third person singular. He has given. This understanding is given by the Son and involves knowing and trusting the Son, <laughs> the person of Jesus Christ. The word for understanding is the Greek dinoa meaning by the mind or understanding, and comes from the compound of die through or by and nos, the mind. This understanding is gifted to us, but the knowledge has come through the mind, and we have thought about its truth and have come to a conclusion of its truth. Notice the absence of the definite article with understanding. He has given us an understanding in the general sense. The result of the gifting of understanding is introduced by the Hina conjunction. In order that, it's a purpose clause. Or with the result that, as used in a result clause, we know 
the true one. And here, since it is a result clause, we know it has the result of knowing. His giving us, his gifting us this understanding has a result of knowing the true one. Knowledge is possible and continuous in nature as the present subjunctive of ginomai. We may continue to know the true one is a result of the gifting. The definite nature of aletheinos, the true one, highlights God's constant revelation that he alone defines what is true. So the synonyms light and truth, the true one, is used in opposition to the false one, the devil. The true one, as opposed to the false gods of the world, and the true one who is the true God, Jesus Christ. Move down to the next phrase. And we are in the true one, in his Son, Jesus Christ. The three major clauses of verse 20 provide us with the outline. First is the contrastive, but identifying the difference between those that are possessed of the world system and those that are possessed of Christ. Second, possess a true understanding of things as the source of this truth is God alone. And finally, those that are of Christ are a part of that truth in Christ. The conjunction chi adds the second truth of these things that are in Christ. The state of being verb I me, we are, we exist into aletheno, in the true one, meaning we are in a state of being in the true one. The preposition in describes our position both in the true one and in the Son of God. Notice that. The definiteness of aletheinos in the true one points directly to being in the Son. In the Son of Him, God is locative, explaining our position or legal standing. That is to say, one is either standing in Christ or in the world system, but not both, as they are separate and distinct. The Apostle John emphasizes the person of Jesus Christ by identifying that He is the Son of God. Is the Apostle John here seeking to highlight the difference between the Greek gods in contrast to the true one? Or is he just expanding on the concept that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true one, that is, God? Either way, we get by this section of Scripture that Jesus Christ is very God and He has come to establish an intimate relationship with us through His Word and Spirit. Move down to the next phrase. This is the true God and the eternal life, or the life eternal. The near demonstrative pronoun hutas, this, serves to identify the close relationship of being in Christ being a possession of God and having eternal life. The fact of possessing eternal life is 
identified by our state of being in the true one. Again, the state of being verb, I me, is used to identify that the true one is the true God and that we are in a state of eternal life safe in Christ. The statement of fact is presented with the subject case as being in Christ and is equivalent to being in a state of eternal life. All the nouns and adjectives of this phrase, ha aletheanos, theos, kai, hazoe, anos, the true God and the eternal life, signify the character of this life. The adjective aletheanos, true, that modifies theos, God, notice they're both nominative, highlights the fact that Jesus Christ is the true God. Finally, eternal life is defined to be our life. The Apostle John opens this letter describing the life which was manifested to us in the form of the Word of God, Jesus Christ who had come in the flesh. We understand eternal life as personified in the person of Christ, Zoe, the life is definite, signifying a specific life that we now live in Christ and is the life that is given to us as a gift from God. And its extent is Ionas, eternal. Move down to the final verse of this little epistle. Verse 21. Children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. John's final words to the church in Ephesus have to do with keeping themselves from partaking in the activities that characterize the world system. The idol in the Greek culture, and in particular Ephesus, was an integrated cultural social activity. Holidays, feasts, and celebrations all centered around this Greek god worship and their idols which dominated daily life. So effective was this very plea by the Apostle Paul and others in the book of Acts that a riot broke out in the city because of the growth of Christianity that resulted in a lack of idol worship, thus causing an uproar among the citizens, that this heritage in Ephesus of abstaining from the city's pagan cultural celebrations is strong among this Ephesian Christian community, and John intends to exhort them to keep it that way. As an old man, the Apostle John calls out to them in the vocative of technon, little children as they are his spiritual children. And he continues to feed and tend them as Jesus had commanded Peter in John chapter 21, verses 15 and 17. As with the discourse in chapter 2, John uses the term little children as a general term of spiritual maturity and is used here to represent all those collectively in the Ephesian church. It includes babes, 
It includes young men and even mature fathers. All of those are included. John exhorts them with the aorist imperative of phulasso, to guard, to keep or watch, together with the reflective pronoun hutu, meaning guard yourselves or keep yourselves from idols. The aorist tense has a timeless aspect so as to mean keep yourselves from idols always. The preposition auto, away from, together with the ablative of idulon, an image or likeness or an idol, means separation. There shall be no part of the world system in them. They are set apart to God, separate from the world, though in the world. John closes with the Hebrew particle, Amen, which is transliterated from the Hebrew, Amen, meaning Amen, verily, or truly. When Amen is found at the end of the discourse, it is translated, So it is, so be it, or may it be fulfilled. So John, in this discourse, closes with little children, Keep yourselves from idols. And then he simply says, So be it. May it be fulfilled. What a great little letter this is. Full of theology, full of doctrine, full of encouragement for a church who's struggling in a world system who traditionally had been extremely strong in Christ and continues to battle the philosophies of the world that come into the church. And John intends to encourage them to love one another in the church as these divisions and these philosophies come to, uh, come to be a problem in the church. First and foremost, the law of love is in effect. Love the Lord Jesus Christ first but also love those in the body. Point out doctrinal error that really goes beyond the fundamentals, the, the fundamentals that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The person of Jesus Christ is most important. The free gift that He gives salvation, that He is the source of salvation, is most important. The aspect of sin that we are sinners and that we cannot achieve a state of sinlessness because only Christ is sinless is most important. And finally, that revelation comes from Christ and Christ alone. There is no supernatural word of, of God that we receive from angels like the pagan Greeks thought. That they were more spiritual than others because they got our new revelation from God weekly. My friends, revelation comes from Christ. It has been recorded in His Word and it is finished. It is complete. I thank you for sticking with me for this course and I hope in some way it has blessed you as you have grown in your translation work and grown in Christ. May God bless you in your translations. Now go and translate the rest of the Bible. 